Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. And today on Rock Metal Podcast, we have a breaking in a sequence. I have a debut EP called Acronym, which was released on January 23rd. Right now, I'm being joined by David and Rich to share some more information about this release. And most, I don't know if it's most importantly, but definitely super cool, is a cover of a music video and a song, which is pretty rare. So, David, Rich, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for having us. Absolutely great to have you guys on. So I guess we'll jump right into Midlife Crisis by Faith No More. And not only did you guys do a seller cover of the song, but you guys did like an actual cover of the music video as well. Yeah, so... As much as we um, could have, we did. Yeah, I mean, we tried to, to cover the music video too. You know, because bands, when they do cover songs, they, they cover the music, but they don't normally cover the video, too. So um, we thought that would be kind of like a cool, like, tribute to Faith No More all the way around. You know what I mean? Bring it full circle. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a part in the middle of the video where I think it's Mike Patton, and he's, he's all of his limbs are tied up with uh, ropes to horses, and they're backing out, slowly pulling him apart. And we didn't have horses, obviously, so everybody brought their dogs and we tied up, and we put harnesses on our dogs, and we tried to get them to try to pull him away, but they wouldn't go for it. So we had to, we didn't have to cover that part. We couldn't do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was too heavy. I was too heavy for his little Boston Terrier. Yeah. The little Cocker Spaniel couldn't do the lifting. Uh, that's unfortunate. Um, just no money in the budget for horses, eh? Uh, no, no. Cocker Spaniels and Terriers. <laughs> Well, I think I see a part in the video here as I'm scrolling through that, that uh, has definitely has some dogs in it anyway. So um, that's that's a cool little tidbit. What was the inspiration, I guess, to do this track? And what was the undertaking like to, to do a cover of the music video? Well, um, ever since I joined this band, Joe and Chris have always wanted to do a Faith No More cover with me. And I always told them, no, there's no way I'm going to do Faith No More, you know, because I'll get annihilated out there, you know, trying to sing Patton. And um, I said no for, I want to say, almost two years. And we were on tour in the middle of nowhere, um, just driving. And the live version of Midlife Crisis came on the radio, right? And I was listening to it. And the live version is a little bit faster and the vocals are a little bit more aggressive. And at that point, when I heard it, I was like, you know what, we could totally do this. So when we got back, we learned the song, and then uh, we recorded it. And that was what in October of 2019, I think I want to say. Yeah. So we've been sitting on all this stuff for a really long time. Um, And we meant to record it as an Easter egg for our album or EP that we were going to release in 2020. And um, management heard it at the end of 2020. And they're like, you know what? You guys should release this as a single, you know, because the state of the world right now is in chaos. No one wants to really hear new music, you know, but this is familiar enough and you guys put enough of a spin on it that people would actually pay attention to it. And I think that really paid off for us uh-huh. releasing that as the, as a single. And so the second they said that I said, Hey, why don't we try to remake the video too, you know, and, and make it a tribute to faith no more. 
So then we got with our buddy and director, Matt Zane, and he was able to actually study the video and figure out the exposure and the lighting and all that and recreate the video for us. I mean, we didn't recreate it in terms of like mimicking the motions, you know, because we don't have the same mannerisms as as they do, but we tried to capture the essence of the video. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So he basically came in like with a storyboard and everything and you guys had to to follow. Yeah. 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 He came in with like shot by shot, like analysis and, uh, and we just kind of followed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something you mentioned was that um, you were nervous about doing it, but it's paid off for you guys. So how has the reaction gone? Has it surprised you? I think as soon as we heard the finished product, everyone thought it was really, really good. I think we actually did it better than we thought because, you know, the band, they have a keyboard player. So Joe and Mike had to find tones on their guitar pedals or their guitar effects to kind of mimic keyboards. And they did a really good job about that. So I think when we heard our finished product, I think we felt pretty confident about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just the feedback coming from the public. I mean, yeah, there's some people who, absolutely trash it but i mean we <laughs> we're getting we're getting really good feedback let's say from uh from people i i expect it to be you know roasted a lot more yeah um have you guys had any comment from faith no more themselves from anybody from faith no more i think we did an interview with um i can't remember who it was now oh man it's like on the tip of my tongue, but he spoke with uh, Billy Gould from Faith No More, and he said that uh, Billy loved it. Cool. So th- I was like, wow, I, c- I couldn't believe that. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out who that was. That was uh, Darren uh, Darren over at the Hype Magazine reached out to Billy and told us that on one of our interviews. Mm-hmm. So that was cool just to hear that, that one of them heard it, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you guys mentioned that uh, instead of doing keyboards, you guys did guitar tones. Was there anything else on the record? Like were drums at all embellished uh, differently from the original or any kind of uh, vocals maybe to fit more in your range? Uh, drums, I, I added some more drum fills, but I, I pretty much kept it to the original version, just, just adding a few drum fills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and vocal-wise... Um, I didn't change the key of it or anything, um, but the second verse, I kind of did it more in my style. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you actually listen to the second verse, there's a little bit of harmony in there and it's a little bit more singing as opposed to being, you know, um, that voicing that Mike Patton uses right. throughout the song. Yeah. But um, a lot of people don't know this, but all the harmonies that you hear on our recordings it's done live. So Joe sings the harmonies live. So we, we recreate all of that live. Okay. Very cool. Uh, and something else you mentioned was that you guys have been sitting on this stuff, uh, for a while. Is that just 2020 got in the way? Yes. 2020 <laughs> did get in the way. COVID has been in the way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, we, uh, we tracked everything and, and we weren't sure whether or not we were going to release a full length or an EP. We were kind of like toying with the idea of, of either one of those. And then we did a industry showcase um, at the whiskey in March 
And literally, it was the last show at the Whiskey A Go Go before they shut down the world. Yeah. So, so after that, that kind of like threw our plans into the trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then it's been probably about almost a year then since you guys last played a show. Yeah. Wow. And that's blown by. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess what's that like? Um, what did you guys do in, in the meantime then? I've just been writing material. Writing songs, yeah. Continuing to write. Okay. Yeah, and and we try to stay, you know, cautious, you know, of, of COVID. So we we try not to get together as often, especially if someone's feeling a little bit under the weather, because you never know, right? right. Um, but as, as much as we possibly can get together and do it safely, we'll, we'll get together and write as a unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something else you mentioned was uh, potential for an album beforehand, but instead we have uh, the EP that's come out. Is that, should we be expecting maybe another EP, an album? Is there, <laughs> at what length can you guys talk about what's coming up? Well, I think we're, we're toying with the idea of possibly doing a second EP. Um, I mean, it's already recorded. We have it all ready to go. We probably just need artwork for it and and um, get the the track listing order correct. But I mean, it's it's there and ready to go. And um, we're writing a lot more material. And hopefully, you know, if we follow up with the second EP, then our new material can roll into maybe an album. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, depending yeah. on how the industry looks and the world looks. <laughs> depending on how on fire the world still is at that point right um cool yeah and then i saw you guys did some some playthrough videos trying to keep things moving um have you done any like live streams or anything like that we've talked about it but we haven't done anything it's a possibility yeah, so we're setting up for the live stream environment the hardest thing is to get good sound right we don't want to just set up like GoPros and, and take the sound off of that. Cause it's just going to be garbage. Right. So we have like an in-ear monitoring rig that we're trying to figure out how to just port that stereo sound onto like uh, a Facebook or IG feed. But I think the, the challenge there is stereo sound, because I think when you do live feeds, you don't get stereo sound and we pan our guitars hard left and hard right. So uh, we're still toying with that idea. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, drums sound good in mono. We know that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not if it's panned. <laughs> You'll be missing toms, tom hits, and and cymbals and stuff like that. But uh, one thing we did do at the very beginning of um, the lockdown was we did the lockdown challenge. You know, the Sammy uh, Hagar thing where you write a song with your band while in quarantine and then just film yourself playing it. No studio, no producers or anything like that. Yeah. And uh, we did that and we wrote a song called Unsavory and put it out there. And that actually started the third phase of our songwriting. Um, okay. You know, and it's a little bit more experimental, you know, because mm-hmm. we kind of did it a little bit separately. But, um, and, you know, we're doing stuff like that to keep ourselves busy. Yeah. Did they send you the tracks from last night? No. Uh, no. But I, uh, I didn't we got a weird one from last night. Oh, good. Can't wait to hear it. It's it's weird. Yeah, good though. 
When you, okay, cool. when you say it's weird, David, take us through that. Uh, it, it sounds like it could be three different songs, but it's all in one. And there's, there's actually a part where there's a timing change that completely takes a different direction for like, I think we do eight or 12 passes of this weird timing thing. And then we have to do a kind of a break to get out of it and restart um, uh, the intro riff for it to get it back into the song. So it takes some turns and some weird, uh, unexpected uh, timing changes that you wouldn't really think you wouldn't see coming. Okay. Uh huh. And how do you approach yes. that when you're when you're working with the drums? How do you approach that? Is it something that um, you're versed in anyway? Like kind of like more progressive yeah. type stuff? Yeah, absolutely. It, we just uh, we we just try it, and if it works, we just keep working on it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's all feel based. I think with us, we we yeah. go off of feel more than anything. We don't try to be technical. We just whatever feels good and has a good like bounce. Like that's that's one thing that we measure our new songs against is how much bounce does this have? <laughs> yeah. Okay, there's a unique term. Take us through bounce. What is bounce? Bounce is, is a tempo. Where, where we can, in our heads, we can see crowds bouncing to the music. Okay. So we try to write, we call it bounce tempo. Okay. Is there a, is there a range? Uh, anywhere from maybe 94 BPMs to maybe 100 BPMs. Okay. I have to go back and listen to all the tunes. I did notice something very, um, I wasn't going to use the word bounce, but now that you mentioned bounce, it makes sense, where I can groove to the tune. Groove, that's that's it right there. That's David. Groove friendly. <laughs> <That's> all David. <laughs> Groove friendly, beautiful. Um, and when you guys are working on stuff, so David, you guys uh, hammer stuff out and then get Rich involved? Um, it, well, it depends on what stage we are. If, if uh, we're working during the week and we happen to finish a song, we'll send it to Richard for him to work on vocals or rearrange the song or, or cut parts and, and then you know make the structure of the song good for vocals. But if we're still in the middle of working on it, he comes down on a weekend, then we just go back into working on it with him there in the studio. Okay, cool. So it depends, it depends where we are in the writing process. Okay. So you yeah, guys- and they they generally send me the recording, too, of like practices. That's why David was asking if the guys sent me the recording of last night, um, just so I can review it and, and get gather some ideas. And then sometimes I'll just call up Joe or I'll call up Mike or Chris and be like, hey, I think this part should go like this when you transition out of it. And then they'll relay it back um, to the other guys in the studio. Because I don't know if you know, I don't live around them. I, I actually live 80 miles north from them. So I only come down to practice once a week. Okay. Yeah, I read somewhere there was a global search to find you. And... Uh ended up finding somebody in California. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was it about rich diamond in the rough diamond in the rough, baby? What was it about rich that you guys said? Yes. Um, it was actually a, a few different things. Um, we sent him some music and he sent it back and he had chopped up and rearranged our music. And at first we were kind of um, a little taken aback by it, thinking, you know, just, why is this guy rearranging our music? What is he doing? <laughs> And then we listened to it a little more, and we thought, well, this, this actually makes sense. This is a good thing that he, he's done this. Yeah. And then we realized he had the capability of, you know, chopping and, and rearranging songs. And then we heard his tone of his voice, you know, yeah. and we just thought, this, this guy is a really good singer. I mean, we actually compared him to Mike Patton when we first heard him. 
Okay. And uh, so it was it was a number of things. But, um, I mean, we, I, everybody in the band feels super lucky that we found Richard. I mean, you know, even though he's 80 miles away, I mean, he brings so much to this band. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Going back to that. Going back to the um, the rehearsal space, are you guys like mic'd up and plugged into like Pro Tools while you guys are, are working on ideas? Yes, we have a mixer that we uh, mic everything up, plug into a mixer, and then we plug a computer into the board and record it all on. A, I don't think it's Pro Tools; it's another program, it's not right? Pro Tools. It's a PreSonus, so we have a PreSonus like live PA board. Okay, that you can just capture the the raw like all the tracks you can't do track like you can't do like um you know like punching in or anything like that it's just literally capturing 16 tracks live and then i i take those tracks via like google drive and then i'll import them into my recording software at my house okay to basically mix it and everything okay did you do the mixing on the ep then as well or is this just for like demo purposes mm-hmm. Oh, no, this is just for demo purposes. Um, The EP was produced by my my good friend, Chris Collier. Um, He's worked with a ton of different people, and he he knows all the sonics and EQs and all that stuff. I don't don't try to dabble in that. That's crazy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Now, something else I'm really curious about is the the bounce thing. Um, Is that something you guys developed over time? Uh, well, it's always been in our minds. Um, I mean, I really learned about it and, you know, basically making up, making it up with corn, trying to write bounce songs in corn for, you know, 15 years. So it just, just kind of comes natural for me to want to go into that bounce territory when we go to start writing new songs. And I mean, everybody wants, wants bounce music too. So it just, it just happens. Yeah. Well, for the rest of us, we had to learn it. (laughs) Sure. At some point, yeah. David had to learn it. Well, I mean, um, was that something that was always a focus with Corn from the very beginning, or was that something that was developed over time? Um, it, it was a focus from the beginning. Okay. Yeah, we we talked about it and, and tried to make it happen as much as we could. Okay. Cool. Well, not us, Corn, right? Right. Because we Korn, started, yeah. we started wanting to be a rock band. Like we just wanted to be a straight up rock band when we started. And then we wrote Pity, and we got a taste of, of David playing heavier, and we just kind of started gravitating that way because of David. And we would bring in, like, guitar riffs and everything where we had a preconceived thought of how the beat should go, mm-hmm. and then David would start playing on it, and it would be a completely different beat, and it would be bouncy. And that's just him. <laughs> it's it's the craziest thing to witness. <laughs> Well, I guess what's that like for you, Rich? For me, it's awesome because I grew up, you know, like idolizing and looking up to David. And now I get to be in a band with him and, and create music with him, mm-hmm. you know. But um, I do see the, his style, you know, like I see his style and I see it every day uh, come out in, in the, even some of the music that I bring to the plate. You know what I mean? So it's it's cool to see that type of magic happen, like right in front of my face. Uh-huh. Yeah, very cool. Okay, we chatted about midlife crisis, the song, the video. We chatted about uh, pity. Now, interesting. That was the first single off of 
the was that going to be an album or is it going to be just the EP still at that point? Um, I think at that point we didn't know. We were just trying to release something to release something. <laughs> cool. And then it was, yeah. a, and then there was, we a, were trying to like get out of the shadow of, of a different project, if you will. Yes. <laughs> so we, we wanted to release something that, that kind of came out and punched people in the face a little bit. And you then have pity on them after you punch them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just pity. <laughs> Groovy. And we chatted about the EP acronym. Is there like a theme at all to the EP? Like, was there an intention in packaging those, those songs together as an EP? Mm. I, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Let me think. Let me think about this. Man, you got to hit us with that question. I um, know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I figured you guys were so warmed up by reason- now. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. That's a hard question. I think with the EP, we chose those songs because um, we had released "Pity" and "Change Your Mind" previously as a side A and side B, you know, throwback to the old school cassette singles. Mm-hmm. And then we had we had dropped "Hesitation" already, and then we wanted to show people that we could do um, different styles. So then we released delusional mm-hmm. and then we had dropped um we had released midlife crisis so we we're like you know what let's package them all together and and do a proper ep release of those and we'll add an extra song that no one's heard yeah and that would be anything but right okay cool i'm watching the um the unsavory lockdown challenge video right now so i guess maybe take us through that Oh man. Um, I think in, it was March, the guys got together and we started, they started to write new material and they had sent me a 22 minute jam session of just them in the studio. Right. Remember how they send me band practices so I can listen in and then they locked down everything. So we couldn't have practice. So I took that jam session and I literally went through and I cut it all up into pieces and I turned it into a song, right? And um, I, I recorded vocals over it. I sent it back to everyone. Everyone learned their parts on their own and went back home and recorded the video portions for it. And then we just released it. We didn't play that song all together in a room live until I want to say June or July wow. of last year. And we released that in April. Yeah. So it was kind of it was kind of a crazy thing, but it was like it was cool because we had never done anything like that before. So if you you hear it, it's it's raw and it's um, it's like experimental at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. But I think it, it really gave us an a uh, a glimpse into the new sound that we were going to start writing in. Okay, yeah, groovy. Okay. I don't think I have any other questions. Is there anything else that we were supposed to chat about today, boys? Um, (laughs) You have a nice nice drum kit. I could say that. I'm trying to count all the symbols. I think you need another symbol in there, David. (laughs) I'll try to find a place for one. (laughs) Uh, Interesting question. After all these years, uh, how come double pedal instead of two kick drums? Just like the, the 
the the tuning of having to tune another kick drum? You know what? Actually, for some reason, a double pedal it feels better. I've tried two kick drums with two single pedals. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. Okay. Hmm. So yeah. we're still wearing the Adidas shoes. Cool. Uh, you know why he wears those? <laughs> Is he sponsored? Does he have to? Well, no. the Adidas. Yeah. Yeah. Tell him why you wear the Adidas. Uh, the, the sole on the shoes, they're stiff. Yeah. And most tennis shoes they're made today, the soles are like really light and they flex a lot. Yeah. But the Adidas, the campus that I wear, they have really stiff soles. Yeah. So it makes it easier on the kick drum pedals to to play, you know, faster double bass stuff and just just play in general because the soles are stiff. Okay. That's why I play Adidas. There's 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 a technical issue there, and I like that you. Yeah. I think I heard some some rolling when you talked about double pedals, so that was even better. Now I know. Um, are you yeah, gonna go get stiff feet. shoes now? <laughs> Hold my shoe up. <laughs> no, the studio. I actually I try not to wear those shoes even out of the studio because I don't want to get the soles dirty so they won't slip on the pedals. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, boys, I believe that is everything. So thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. And then uh, I'm speculating that sometime later this year, we'll have an excuse to bring you back on when you release some more material. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you.